Here's what's coming up on today's show. It's always good to be respectful, and if they're not in a position to do it, give them the courtesy of not forcing it on them. And then also, it's better for you, better for the kids that we find the right person who's able to do the job. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. I'm glad to have you back inside Complete Estate Planning. I'm Ben George. He's Nick Rosenbauer, estate planning attorney and the owner of Rosenbauer Law Office there in the greater Cincinnati area. Nick, what's going on today? Well, I, uh, I, I am the, the, I'm a newly minted uh, head coach of uh, the uh, under four uh, candy league uh, soccer team here, uh, here in, up, up in Monroe for my oldest, uh, my three and a half year old. That started, uh, practice started this week. So we're looking, uh, I'm working on training these kids up, um, if you want to call it that. Um, they, we're having fun. I, I, I'm tempering my expectations as far as actually like, you know, learning soccer skills and, and tactics. If I can get them to, you know, dribble the ball without falling on themselves and, you know, kick it in the right direction and not use their hands, I'm going to count that as a win. Um, not yeah. much of a juggernaut uh, our team is, at least not yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough age to coach. I mean, it, you know, whatever you can get out of them, Nick, you, you probably accomplished. You, it's a big accomplishment, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, and here's the thing. Like, and actually, I think our parents um, so far uh, for the kids on, on my team, I guess it's weird people calling me coach. That still kind of weirds me out. I'm not used to that. But you know, it's we have some cool parents because you know you get those parents who, you know, even at three, four, five, six, you know, think their kids going to be playing professional and things mm-hmm. like that. It's like, well, here's what I'll tell you: no one on this team is going to play for the U S national team. I can promise that already. And if they do, it will not be specifically because of something they learned or didn't learn, um, for the three-year-old candy league, um, (laughs) for Monroe soccer association. And, And you're right. The way I look at it, the kids have fun. Great. The only thing, you know, the only thing we could do is harm them by making them not like it. And then just saying, you know, I'm done with it. I'm not playing. So right. they have fun. Um, and then I made I made the mistake, I think, uh, at the first practice. Um, and, and at this age, there's no goalies. It's three on three. Okay. Um, and then I made the mistake at the end of letting them have fun and take turns, like, you know, coming down and shooting on me. And I played goalie and, like, you know, let them all score. And they, like, kicked it. And, you know, I went on the ground and stuff. And they, like, kicked it into me. Yeah, it was kind of funny. And then at the beginning of practice yesterday, we practiced uh, we practiced Tuesday and Thursday. I asked each of them, guys, what was the your what was the most fun you did yesterday? And every one of them said, "Kicking at you." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right for that age. <laughs> yeah. So I and then my assistant coach kind of laughed nervously, and then I looked at him and said, "Well, I guess I deserve that." So they uh, so they had to do it again. And then my son in the car on the drive home was like. That was really silly. I scored on you, and my friends scored on you, and that's all he was talking about. So <laughs> I, 
Okay, so I guess I've kind of signed myself up for that for the, <laughs> yeah. for the whole season. Yeah, if they're going to come after you, better make sure your estate plan's in order, huh? <laughs> yeah, no right? kidding. And they're they're brutal. Like they don't, <laughs> you know. I, I I do the fake dive, you know, right, to right. you know to play it up. Um, but then I I roll on the ground. And then they'll kick the ball right at my head. They don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> sense. No funny. sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. No mercy. Huh? That's awesome. <laughs> well, good luck to you this year, and, uh, uh, and I, may, may your patience be at a uh, at a great level this year. I uh, yeah, I appreciate that. It's it's fun. You know what? As long as the kids have fun and they're not standing around too much, it'll be it'll be all right. Now, I want to know what you think about this, Ben. They have. And I don't know, like everyone disagrees with me, but the Monroe Soccer Association has a opening day parade. Okay. And, you know, obviously the, the city of Monroe has stuff. I think it's all the way up through like high school or what have you or close mm-hmm. to that. But that includes the three-year-olds. So in a couple weeks, um, we're going to be in a parade. It's going to be me, my assistant coach, and like three or four three-year-old kids sitting in the back of a parent's pickup truck waving. Yeah. We used to do Every, that when I was growing up, back when, like, Little League, when Little League baseball started. That was what we'd, <sighs> we'd have, like, a parade, and we'd throw out candy and stuff in our little, like, you know, our little town. But I don't know if they still do that or not. But I guess they do. I mean, you're proving that. Well, they, they do it for the baseball, uh, for the baseball, too, and – my wife, I mean, everyone I've talked to said, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm the only one who said, why are we having a parade for three-year-old soccer? Like, I <laughs> maybe I'm the Scrooge, you know, the bah humbug yeah. here, but I think that's so unnecessary. But everyone else disagrees with me, so whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to be, by the time this thing, I don't know uh, how many, if it's probably a few weeks after we record. So by the time all of our listeners are hearing this, uh, I will have already been in a three-year-old soccer opening day parade, uh, and we'll probably have had our first game, if yeah. you want to call it that. I'd so, say the I'd say the the rule should be no parades unless you're playing like the full rules of the game. Like if you're playing the full sport, like ah. know, at least 10, like eleven on eleven or a full baseball game, whatever it is. But hey, let the kids have their fun. Who who are we to say get off our lawn, Nick? Right? Well, I am because I'm the one who's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, the, I love it. Well, good luck to you, and I know uh, I know you'll have fun. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'll have fun, but I, I got a bad feeling I'm going to have to get – the kids are going to want to kick the ball at me uh, at every single practice. Um, <laughs> so whatever. Yeah. So I, I've learned my lesson, Ben. I know. I, I love it. Well, look, we're here today to talk about future-proofing. We, we love the kids, but we're going to talk about preparing for the kids and the future grandkids and whatnot, but future-proofing your estate plan and hopefully saving money along the way. And, you know, many consider estate planning as the art of setting out your wishes while trying to predict all the what-ifs that may or may not happen in the future. But you don't have a crystal ball, so it's obviously very impossible to know exactly what will happen. So there are a number of predictable and potential what-if scenarios that a good estate plan should cover, and we're going to run through through those today. And again, we'll put this up online, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com is the website. You can schedule a call with Nick right there from the website. It's a big button you can press and uh, and get on his schedule right away. So let's start off with with, uh, with those children we've been talking about, Nick, the future children. So how do you set up your estate plan to cover, you know, for someone that, that plans to maybe have at least one more child or doesn't know what the future might look like? 
Well, and and a lot of these things, um, Ben, let me just back up a second. I know you talk about we don't have a crystal ball, so it seems kind of contradictory that I'm saying we can't predict the future. So here's how we predict the future, right? right. Um, yeah. But but what I what we mean by that, uh, just uh, for clarification, is we can't predict the future, but there's there's a number of what ifs, you know, that have more than a zero point zero zero one percent chance of happening. So we might as well cover them. Um, I consider a lot of this to be no harm, no foul. <clears throat> so you can set a lot of these things to where if this does occur, here are the rules. But if it doesn't occur, not applicable, doesn't apply, and you're no worse off. So a lot of these things, um, you know, and actually, actually all of these that we go over today are things where if it doesn't happen, you can you can have other arrangements. Gotcha. Okay, so you know, and and the children uh, will go for that first. So there's there's no reason not to plan uh, for the possibility of children in the future or more children if you're still of um, childbearing age. It's funny, Ben. I, I sometimes joke with some of my older clients. Say, well. There's Bible stories about that, um, you know, um, and also you can adopt legally at any age. Not True. saying that that happens, but I always I always give the Bible uh, joke. I, I had a lady who was in her 80s uh, earlier this week, and I said, well, what happens when you have more kids? And <laughs> she looked like she was about to slap me, and then I started laughing, um, and then she started laughing. But anyway, if there's any remote possibility— that you have children in the future, or if you have more children, it's very easy if you know what you're doing to write up your estate plan to, you know, specifically include future children if you have them. So for my wife and I, uh, we have two kids. Um, when we wrote our plan, it was uh, actually our original one was before we had any kids, and then we adjusted. We made adjustments after my first son was born. So we set it up you know, kind of the, the layman's terms is equal shares to however many kids we have. So if we only had one, it was covered. If we had two, it was covered. If we're crazy and we have eight, uh, it's covered. Hmm. So, you know, there there was no downside to doing it that way. Um, so we, you know, equal shares to however many kids I have. And then one of the things that you always do apart from that is if I don't have any children, you know, if I have children, everything goes in equal shares to my children. If I have no children, then I give everything to whomever you want to. So it's like a, uh, it almost thinks like, you know, those choose your own adventure books. Yeah. And did you ever yeah. read those back did, uh, back yeah. in grade school? Um, so, you know, it's like we, you know, we write the, uh, the playbook for option A and option B. And a good estate planning attorney probably does that all the time. It's very easy to do. And then on top of it, you want to set up guardians. I know we've talked about that a lot on this show uh, for children or future children. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things kind of the same way. If you end up not having children or if all the children are grownups uh, by the time you pass away and you don't run into a scenario where they need guardians because they're adults, it's not a problem. Okay, so the way, you know, the layman's term is if when I die, I have any underage children, the guardians for those children will be so and so and so and so. Obviously, if I don't have children or if I don't have any underage children, 
There's no need for a guardian. So it's there's literally no reason not to put that in if there is even a 1% possibility uh, that you end up uh, having you know, underage children uh, when you pass away. So it, it's like it's no harm, no foul in doing it, and it's very easy to do. A good estate planning attorney should almost force you to do it. Okay. Are grandchildren the same then? And just, just in the sense that, you know, you have this, you just put it in place just in case, or is there any other nuances with that? Uh, okay. Good question with that. Obviously for grandchildren, um, the guardian piece won't be there. Okay. So you set guardians for your own kids, but, you know, grandkids would be the kids of your kids. So I've had people get confused by that. So if you're saying, I want to make sure my grandkids are taken care of, their parents are the people who need to put something in place to set guardians for them because it's their kids. It's not yours. Okay. Gotcha. So, so you can't put guardians in place for your grandkids um, unless you legally adopt them. Okay. So if you legally adopt and there's a bad circumstance, something like that, then they are legally your kids. Uh, in which case you would want to talk about guardians. So if there's anyone out there who, you know, God forbid they lose a child and they take on their deceased child's kids, then that goes back to what we just talked about, about your own children, because you legally adopted them. You need to come up with guardians for your grandchild because you because that is legally your child now. OK, so that's that's a unique situation to be aware of. Other than that, it's all it's all for an inheritance. Okay, so I have a lot of times my family likes my kids more than they like me, Ben. That's, <laughs> that's usually the way the grandkids go. Yeah. Um, d- does your family, you know, like you more than your daughter? Uh, no. In fact, when my mom calls me to uh, to check in if if I, if I'm somewhere else without my daughter, I'll say, "Hey, she's actually at home." I say, "Okay, I'll talk to you later." And that's <laughs> as quickly as the conversation goes. So. <laughs> Yeah, that, that See, answers your question. Yeah, that, and I'm not surprised by that. So uh, a lot of times I have people who want to provide something for the grandkids or money for college or even like a, a token amount. Um, and you can do that. Uh, future proof, say, uh, you know, $10,000 for each of my grandchildren uh, that I have at my death. And you can do this. I mean, Ben, you can do this right now. Um, theoretically, and obviously the flip side is if I have no grandchildren when I pass away, obviously then that provision doesn't apply and then that money goes elsewhere. So it's very easy to do. And and I have people do things like that all the time. And also, Ben, let's say you have four kids and maybe your oldest child uh, has had a couple kids, but maybe not all your other kids have kids. So this way you don't cut out grandchildren that show up in the future. So again, you can future-proof it just like you do with children. It, it really works the same way. Okay. Let's talk about some other what-if scenarios. And I know when we talk about picking out um, you know, a guardian, a trustee, executor, we don't really think about them not being around when we're not around, right? We think about them kind of carrying out our wishes. But what happens in that event that something happens to them? How do you prepare for that? Ah, great question. So, So basically what we're thinking of here is I name some. I name my brother or my dad to be the guardian or my trustee or my power of attorney, and then when the time comes, they're either not alive or they're ill or they're unavailable or sometimes Ben maybe they're not willing to do the job. Yeah. Okay. So what if I named my brother 
to be my power of attorney. And then by the time I need it, you know, maybe he took a job over in Europe. Okay, so he's halfway around the world. So he's not getting to the hospital, you know, to make decisions or uh, maybe he travels for work all the time. So he wouldn't be a good uh, guardian for the kids. You know, maybe he only has a small apartment, doesn't have room for the kids and he's never home. Um, the best thing to do, um, and I think we've talked about this in other contexts, name multiple backups. Okay, so I always say, like for my wife and I, we have three households. Uh, a batting order for guardians. And I and for my clients, I like to have three people in line for everything. Um, this protects you, obviously, so you make sure that there's someone who can do the job and it's not something where the person I named died suddenly in a car crash, so I have no one behind them. And also, you know, I think it's selfless too, uh, if that makes sense, because some I tell people, I say, what if the person you named is alive and mentally they could do the job, but they're sick, you know, they're traveling for work or they, you know, took a job halfway across the world and they say, I mean, legally I could do it, but my goodness, I I got other things going on. I don't want to do it. I really can't. But if it's not me, then there's no one left. Then they feel stuck with it. So I will say, I think it's respectful and polite to the people that you name to have a couple backups in place. So if uh, if my brother, who's halfway across the world, is not the only guardian, he can look at it and say, well, I can just turn the job down. I know there's two other people in the batting order behind me who can do it. Okay, mm -hmm. So it ends up being best for everyone. And obviously, Ben, you're giving someone a job to do to take care of something for you or your kids. It's always good to be respectful. And if they're not in a position to do it, give them the courtesy of not forcing it on them. And then also it's better for you, better for the kids that we find the right person who's able to do the job. Yeah. Okay. Well, on the same lines, uh, what about beneficiary? Um, you know, you have a beneficiary in place, but what if they're no longer alive to receive it? Yeah. Well, and this uh, part of this kind of goes back to the future kids or grandkids, but this obviously could apply to anyone uh, you want to leave money to. Any good attorney will you know, the joke I make in the office, we will what if you, you know, almost to death mm -hmm. uh, going through all of this. So we'll say, okay, I want, um, you know, I have four kids. I want each of them to get equal shares. The next question out of their mouth needs to be, what happens if that person is not around to receive it? Okay. So if I'm, you know, if I have $100,000 I want to give to my son, he's not here. Who do I give it to? A good plan should go multiple what-ifs or multiple backups for beneficiaries, just like the decision maker. So, you know, we'd say, well, if my son's not around, um, you know, if he has kids, then let his kids have his money. Um, and if he doesn't have kids, you know, give it equal shares to my other kids to keep it in the family. So you should always go a couple what-ifs or a couple backups if the person that is set to inherit uh, is not around to do it. And that's just prudent planning. Okay. Anything else beneficiary-wise um, that you'd have to consider or think about? Well, here's a bit of a goofy one, uh, Ben, and this is something that surprises a lot of people. Let's say that the person you want to give money to is alive, 
but something's going on in their life. Uh, there's some trouble. There's an illness. There's an issue that is going to cause problems or the inheritance could be uh, at risk. So a couple things to think about. What if you were leaving money to your daughter and you know, when you die and she's about to get her inheritance, she's in the middle of going through a divorce. And this good for nothing, soon to be ex-husband of hers just filed for divorce. And they're about to put the paperwork uh, to the uh, divorce judge to say, what is all? what are all of our assets so we can split them in half? Do you want your inheritance to be put up on the table to get cut in half to go to that you know good for nothing loser who just you know who just uh, left your daughter right probably not yeah. um, <clears throat> um, also what if your daughter is uh, disabled so what if she's on you know government disability benefits uh, a lot of those are needs based so getting an inheritance will cause her to lose her medical coverage and insurance what if she just got in a car crash? Uh, someone is suing her. Um, maybe she just had to declare bankruptcy because of medical bills. And then all of a sudden, here's this big inheritance. And, you know, the personal injury attorney or the bankruptcy court is licking their chops saying, oh, here's Ben's money uh, that uh, that this person suddenly has. So mm -hmm. you can actually you can actually protect this, Ben, from being an issue, even though you, you have no idea that it's ever going to happen. You can put a good plan, and this is usually done through a trust, obviously, like some of the simple, a lot of the simple wills can't do this or they can't do it effectively. Um, you can put safeguards in place, and we do with a lot of our stuff to where if a beneficiary is on, you know, is receiving disability or on government benefits, if they're going through a divorce or a separation, if there's creditor lawsuit bankruptcy problems, then the trustee or the administrator has the ability to safeguard or delay uh, distributions in one way or another, um, you know, so that that doesn't, you know, your inheritance to the person doesn't get thrown in the middle, you know, for the vultures to clean up. Okay, so it's one of those things we put it in all of our uh, all of our estate plans if we have the ability to. I hope I never use it, but think of it like uh, the fire alarm. Yeah. Okay, you can put a fire alarm in there, which is is fantastic. Um, and again, I never root for this to happen, but I like to have the I like to be able to pull the fire alarm if needed. Yeah, no question. You want to be prepared. Um, I, we we teased at the beginning that you know not only is this a great way just to be prepared and just uh, just have all these unpredictable things in line just in case they happen, but also the opportunity maybe to save a little money. So how, how does this help us save money, Nick? Well, um, and I know we, we kind of do this in jest, but but realistically, um, the more you future-proof it, usually the less changes or adjustments or visits to the lawyer you have to do uh, on the back end. Like, I don't think it's a good idea to say everything to my child. And then when you have another child, call up the lawyer, change it to now say 50-50, and then say a third, a third, a third. You know, obviously, I'm probably the world's worst salesman, right? I should probably, <laughs> you know, yeah, that to future yeah. <laughs> to future proof it. Um, but you know, it, it'll it'll save you time and headache and you know hassle in the future if you take care of it up front. 
And then also, it's a, it's a risk factor, right? Because mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do is set something up and then there is a possibility that you don't call your lawyer. You don't get around to it. You don't update something when something happens to one of your beneficiaries or decision makers. And then something happens to you and it's too late. So we we cover all the what ifs we can um, up front, uh, at least within reason, and then makes things a little better. And I guess no one's going to be crying about spending less time in a lawyer's office, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so again, the more you can cover up front, uh, the less holes in the bucket you have. So I think it's always good practice to do as much as you can within reason. Yeah, it's going to save you time, going to save you headache hassle, all that stuff. So good reason to get ahead of things. And, and again, a good reason why you're working with an estate planning attorney, someone that does this all the time, that can check on these things, can put them in place, talk you through them, and make sure you f- future-proof your estate plan. So good stuff, Nick. As always, I encourage anyone that has questions, want to sit down with Nick, you want to schedule a call, you can do so. Just go to CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. The website there has a big button right on the front, very easy to find, and you can set that call up with Nick Right now, there's also a lot of other great resources, including five reasons to avoid those DIY estate planning kits and the estate planning checkup guide and a lot of other great information, including this podcast, of course, which we appreciate you listening to today. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do that as well. All right, Nick, off to the parade, getting some candies, get those buckets uh, loaded up. And hey, best of luck in your first game, my friend. No, I appreciate it. And then for anyone who ever is in one of these parades, public service announcement no one likes those stupid little tootsie rolls ice <laughs> that is that is cheap that is junk candy uh it's not even candy it's like i don't know dirt flavored laffy taffy <laughs> and and if you want to be economical at least get the flavored tootsie roll minis like the ones with the you know the blueberry and things like that but just public service announcement I know you think you're being clever by getting the 500-piece bag for the same price that you would get, like, the 50-piece bag of the Reese Cups. Don't <laughs> don't skim out on that, okay? Public service announcement for everyone. No one likes those. It's not funny. It's not enjoyable. If you're going to be stuck in a three-year-old soccer parade, at least get something that give the, give the fans what they want. Spoken like a man that's getting prepared for parade, for sure. (laughs) All right, Nick, we'll get out of here on that note. Thanks, as always, to listening to Complete Estate Planning. For Nick Rosenbauer over at the Rosenbauer Law Office, I have been George. We'll talk to you next time. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.